Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450-92.7 KGRZ in Chile, overcast Missoula, Montana. Join me like he does each week as the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. Stone is basking in the sunshine from the state of Florida. Stone, some good ball games last week. We had some shakeups a little bit. And look, the one thing that I am just very pleased to be able to report on is that we've got a whole lot left to play for these last two weeks, don't we, Stone? I think it's exactly what me and you are locked in on. That's where we're putting most of our time and energy and some of the teams that they win, they're in. They lose, they're out. Like some of the key matchups that, that mean a lot this weekend, we're keen on those. So uh, the FCS Nation boys are locked in and ready to roll. Let's get to the action from last week. Up first, number one, South Dakota State 33, number 15, North Dakota State 16. Stone, South Dakota State did exactly what they wanted to in this ball game. They ran the ball for 152 yards, threw it for 213. Yeah, the score looked a little closer, but this game was never really in doubt, was it? Yeah, it was never really in doubt. Uh, for the first quarter and a half, I mean, they were trading scores. You thought that, okay, the Bison came out the gates, came out the locker room, ready to rock and roll, but just a ticking time bomb with these jackrabbits. They're like a boa constrictor. At any point in the third, fourth quarter, they're just going to wrap themselves around you and suffocate you. And that's exactly what they did here. There were a bunch, I mean, a handful, not even two, I think three or four 75-yard drives, so they went all the way down and found pay dirt, and that's big. They're really good in the red zone, and if you let those guys get in the red zone, they're going to make you pay for it. So this game kind of was on par with what we thought. I had them scoring 30. They scored 33. If you're a Jackrabbits fan, really, you know, it's hard to be nitpicky when you just beat MDSU and won the Dakota marker, right? But Hunter Dustman's name is on there uh, a whole lot more than you'd like. You want him kicking extra points, not a bunch of field goals, don't you? When I called that game against Southern Illinois, I had never really dug into the notes, but when I did, they're one of the best red zone scoring teams that the FCS has ever seen this year. So uh, you always want to end the drive with a kick. That's what coaches will tell you, whether it's a PAT, whether it's a field goal, or whether it's a punt, you always want to end a drive with a kick. So when you see Dustin's name, I myself personally don't get too mad at it. Points are points, baby. Number two, Idaho, 27, Northern Colorado, 13. Stone, we talked about it. Maintaining motivation for young men from week to week to week to week. Huge win at home. Emotional over Montana State. And then you got to go to Northern Colorado and play in Greeley where you kind of have to make your own atmosphere or like Coach X said, bring your own juice because there's not a lot going on in that stadium right now. And Idaho, they let the Bears hang around and it almost bit them. Sir, that pick six was on time there at the end of the ball game. Idaho didn't look particularly good, but it's a conference road win and they just keep stacking those up. Yeah, it didn't really look good, but they also never trailed in winning this ball game. They took a 3-0 lead early in the first quarter. Of course, that's Chavez putting the pigskin through the pipes. But I think the scoreline, like you had mentioned with that pick six, was not very indicative uh, of how this game played out. This has a lot to do with Idaho in first quarters. They don't have a really good relationship. They need to start coming out of the gates hot. We saw it bite them in the tail against the Montana Grizzlies and Bobby Houck-led team. So that's the one concern taking away from this game. Idaho, with that offense and with the guys that they have, they need to score early and often to put teams away and just don't let teams think that they're in the game. That's one thing that's going to hurt Idaho as we get closer to the playoffs. And and another thing that I'll say is typically this is when you want to see teams be the hottest. And for, for Idaho's sake, they started out the season red hot. Now, of course, they're a top five team and they definitely should be there. We know that more than anybody, but you got to start games a, a little hotter out of the gates because it's time for playoffs. You guys got to be pristine. So I expect a different result in the first quarter this weekend. What's the remedy for that, Stone? How do you start fast when it's not been in your DNA all season? 
season? I'd say leaning on your seniors. Uh, your seniors obviously have a better pulse of the locker room than some of these coaches do, so understanding which players are important to starting games out slow, which ones have had a rough week of practice, or which ones are kind of lazy, not really tapped into the game plan, knowing that they're playing court Northern Colorado. That's for a captain, and that's for a senior to handle before you step out there in pregame warm-up. Number three, Montana State, 45, Northern Arizona, 21. I was at this ball game. And, you know, the fans were extremely good to me in the tailgate lot. Uh, nobody made fun of me for wearing my Citadel sweatshirt, which <laughs> I was very happy of. And uh, Stone, the Bobcats did what they wanted to do. Just another ho-hum day of rushing the ball for 340 yards. I mean, that's exactly what it was, a ho-hum day of rushing the football. That's what the Bobcats do so damn well, especially Mr. Sean Chambers with one of the nastiest stiff arms we've ever seen. And I'm going to say this, and Jack Rapids fans are going to get a little upset. I think it was a nastier stiff arm than I've seen Isaiah Davis ever put on tape. Sean Chambers is a man. Boy, you know what? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. We're going to be welcome back there next year. <laughs> it was a nasty stiff arm from a grown-ass man in Mr. Sean Chambers. Hey, when this Bobcats team is able to do their thing on the ground, which they are each and every week, they're really hard to beat. I love when they get up there in the 40s, though. That's what it's going to take, and I think I'm going to take another shot at the Jackrabbits here. You see them score 33 against North Dakota State team. they got to just con- Constantly get in the 40s or just not go through lulls. You talked about Dustman kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns and PATs. Montana State just gets in the end zone almost every single drive of the game. Like There are a few that you can look at when you're checking out the play-by-play later or when you're watching the tape back, but Montana State knows how to find the end zone at a higher clip than anybody in the country, and it's impressive to me. They're always in the 40s every time you look. Number four, Furman, 17. Number 12, Chattanooga, 14. Tyler Huff goes out right at the start of the second quarter, and I think everybody who roots for Furman went, oh boy. Yep. But in rides Carson Jones to the rescue. Redshirt freshman backup quarterback. Stone, he did everything, but the one thing he couldn't do if Furman wanted to win that football game, which he didn't make any mistakes. He didn't put the ball on the ground. He didn't hurt Furman, and he hit guys when they were open. Roberto didn't have 180 yards, but he ran it enough for Furman, and the defense played outstanding, and they got out of there with a road win, a Southern Conference championship, and an automatic berth to the national playoffs. That's a pretty successful trip, even though you did lose Tyler Huff for probably a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's really tough actually and i do want to shout out tyler huff he took to twitter under one of our tweets congratulating Furman on winning the socon this year and he said a shout out to mr carson jones and you rarely see that now when we had tyler huff on the stone cold quarterback segment one he sounds like a grown-ass man two he is a grown-ass man he's married he has a kid he has a nice golden retriever or a lab sorry tyler if i got that wrong but to shout out your backup quarterback who came in and and won you a socon title it it takes uh takes a man to do that so shout out tyler huff most importantly for that but yeah seven straight overall for the paladins last time from posted eight consecutive wins was in 1989 that's big i think they're gonna do it again obviously against the vmi squad they're gonna match that record from 1989 i'm excited i think this team's built to go do it all hopefully tyler huff's injury is not as serious as we all thought it was when it first happened need him back in the lineup if these guys want to keep rolling because now question marks are there right if they don't have their quarterback they're not the same team tyler huff is that football team so a little alarming but i do trust what Furman and hendricks have put together that this year. Did y'all notice the way that Levanowitz said 1989, y'all? He said said it like it like he was saying 1864 or something like it was you know like it was just a lifetime ago. Yeah, Stone. It was a lifetime ago. I was 15. Up next, you got Montana at home against Sac State. Number five, Montana 34. Number seven, Sac State 7. Complete domination by the Grizz Stone. 547 total yards for the Grizz, the 268 for Sacramento State, and the Grizz did it on the ground. Something was up in the state of Montana last week with their football teams running the football. You had Montana State going for 343 and the Grizz going for 305. Pretty impressive. I don't know. That's 
that's math and it's not my, you know, my best subject, but you know, over 600 yards rushing by the Montana teams last week in college football, pretty good. Yeah. Montana's sick, nasty right now. Shout out Clifton McDowell. He's got those Grizz rolling right now. I'm sure Hawk is very proud of him. I'll make it quick though on this one because Sac State was abysmal. Uh, to be honest, it was an embarrassing effort, an embarrassing display. There were tweets floating around from one of our very own Lucas Sem, who was in attendance talking about players fighting, heading into the locker room, actually fist fighting, getting physical and stuff. So they got some questions there that they need to get answered. There's some turmoil. They're not the Sac State team that we thought they were about a month ago, so they need to figure that out and quickly. Well, you know, Stone, I don't know fist fighting and stuff. I mean, I might slug you in Frisco. We'll see. But uh, now it's time for our National Players of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. The Offensive Player of the Week for FCS Nation Radio is Mr. Clifton McDowell. Last week versus Sac State, 218 yards passing, two touchdowns, 15 carries, 83 yards on the ground, and 24 yards receiving. More than that, the Grizz are 8-1. The National Defensive Player of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual, Mr. Ken Stanley Jr. Last week versus the Citadel, nine tackles, seven solo, one tackle for loss, and a pick six and kept Mercer's playoff hopes alive. Congratulations to Mr. Clifton McDowell and Ken Stanley Jr. for being the offensive and defensive national players of the week brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. And here is the FCS Nation Radio Top 25 for Week 10. Number one, South Dakota State. Number two, Idaho. Number three, Montana State. Number four, Montana. And rounding out the top five, the Furman Paladins. Number six, North Carolina Central. Rising with a bullet to number seven, the Albany Great Danes. Number eight, South Dakota, number nine, Northern Iowa, and following the number 10, the Delaware Blue Hens. Number 11, Western Carolina, 12, Southern Illinois, following to 13, Sacramento State, 14, North Dakota, and following to 15, Chattanooga Mocs. Number 16, Florida A&M, following to 17, North Dakota State, 18, Youngstown State, 19, Mercer, and rounding out the top 20, Villanova, 21, Austin P, 22, Tennessee Martin, 23, Central Arkansas, and cracking our top 25 for the first time in FCS history for their school, Tarleton State. Rounding out the top 25, Gardner-Webb. Coming up next will be the Week 11 FCS Mailbag. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. All right, slowly but surely, this right here, our segment two, is becoming one of my favorite segments of the entire show. It's the week 11 edition of the FCS Nation mailbag where we go on Twitter and we let you guys pepper Kevin with questions that I'm going to pepper him with right now. Kev, you ready to go? I'm very ready, sir. Let's go. First one here from Ace Football Analytics at JS Ace Football. What happened to William & Mary this season? Seem to be locked and loaded heading into 2023. They just just didn't have the offensive firepower this year. Last year, they ran the ball on everybody's throat stone, and they weren't able to do that this year, which is, you know, it kind of stinks because they've wasted like a, you know, a, a FCS like class of the subdivision, maybe defense. William and Mary, just not the same team they were last year. They just aren't dynamic enough on offense to get it done in a CAA that has developed some pretty dynamic offenses as the season's gone along. Love it. Hey, moving on. Brexton Roth at Brex 2018 following a buys and loss in the marker game last week, and he asks, are Ents and the other members of the NDSU coaching staff on the hot seat after this season. Well, look, you know, the crack research staff for FCS Nation, which is generally people that I text with, have told me that here's how it works at NDSU, Stone. They have gone O for the Dakotas twice in their entire history. Once was in 1962, once was in 2002, and then now this year. 
Well, the first two times that's happened, the head coach has been looking for a job after the last game of the season. Not sure that's going to happen this year. We'll have to wait and see. But history says, yes, those fellows are in some trouble. I love it. Well, not loving that somebody will be out of a job, but that stat that you pulled, I do think that is uh, very permittable in a case like this. All right, keeping the train of chugging here. This one, I do dig. Samer, at SamerTime14 on Twitter. He asks, can a team like Furman compete with a team like the Bobcats, Grizz, Idaho, or South Dakota State? Question mark. Yes, Stone. Yes, of course they can. Furman is built a lot like those teams. You know, they're, they're not a team that's going to throw it 50 times. They want to run the ball. The quarterback is a weapon running the ball. Yes, Furman can compete with those teams and Furman can beat those teams. Given the correct bracket situation and the correct seating, I believe the Furman Paladins, if Tyler Huff is healthy, is a team we could very well see down in Frisco, Texas, playing for the national championship. All right, this one from J.D. Fox at Horse Tickets on X, Twitter, whatever the hell you call it. Why are more people not jumping on the Albany bandwagon? They were driving with a chance to be Marshall in the final moments before two sacks. They almost beat Hawaii, despite head coach Greg Gattuso not being able to be there. They crushed Fordham. I mean, Fordham has an FBS win. Why are people not on this Albany bandwagon, Kev? I don't know, Stone. We've been on it since we watched that Fordham game. You're damn right. right. The first game of the season. I'm like, who is this defensive front? And they've gotten better each week. Quarterback play with Poffenberger, very good, very solid. He doesn't make mistakes. And he can put that team on his back. U Albany is a team that a lot of people are not going to want to see in the playoffs because of those two reasons. They play stout defense, and they have a quarterback who doesn't make a ton of mistakes and who can beat you. I think there's maybe a list of maybe 10 or 12 teams in this country that have both of those, and U Albany's one of them. All right, here we go. This one from Brad Stone at MD on Twitter. Why use Massey's strength of schedule when Massey rankings differ so much from the coaches poll, the AGS poll, stats poll and FCS Nations poll. Look, man, Massey's pretty good, right? But you mentioned some of those other polls, Stone, and I don't know, man. It's not our job to, you know, talk badly about others, but there's some people voting in those polls, Stone. Their cornbread ain't done in the middle, bro, if you get what I'm laying down there. You know, you just look at some of them and you go, wow, this is this is bad. Well, Massey, you can only blame it on computers, right? So that's what that is. And it's also a conglomeration of a bunch of people's opinions. So, you know, I, Massey is something that I look at every week. It's not the Bible or anything like that, but it's a good source among other sources that people should use when they're trying to figure out who who's good in FCS football. I don't think anything is a better indicator of who's good or who's not than getting your eyeballs on that football team in person. Preach, brother, preach. I like Massey personally. I think it's very useful. Uh, Just use it at your own risk, right? Don't put too much stock into it, but I personally am a fan. Shout out Jamie Williams for this one, at JD Williams 23 fan of the show, friend of the show, all the above here. Make Chattanooga's case for an at-large bid. Go beat Bama. I mean, that's, (laughs) you know, know, so, uh, I mean, hell, if they do that, they'll definitely be in, though. So I'm not making that up. But I think that a key game in that could take place this week uh, down in Macon, Georgia. And, you know, maybe there's an upset brewing there. Maybe. I don't know. But Chattanooga is going to need a little help, and they just might get it this week. Moving right along this one, Alex Kankle, A. Kankle, 61 on Twitter. What team is the most approved in the playoffs, Kev? Furman, because everybody's going to doubt them. You know, they're going to be like, well, you know, we know what we're getting from a Missouri Valley football conference team. We know what we're going to get from a Big Sky conference team. What exactly are we going to get from a SOCON team? We've seen what the SOCON has put in the playoffs recently. I think this Furman team is a little different than those teams. They're more well-rounded. They're not sampered. Who wants to throw it 60 times without their quarterback. So I think Furman has a lot to prove. All right, the ONG strike zone at ONG strike zone. Why are media pollsters so down on FAMU football in comparison to North Carolina Central, ranking them in the mid to low teens? All the AFCA coaches find them and 
and North Carolina and Central to be top 10 FCS team. Both are two of the last four unbeaten, of course, first FCS opponents in the country. Why are they so down on FAMU? I'm not down on FAMU. I think they're going to win the SWAG title game and end up in the uh, Celebration Bowl. And I just think that when you look at who they've played, North Carolina Central has beat Elon. You know, those are that was a ranked team in FCS at the time, too. North Carolina Central has better wins. And you also have Davius Richard. That's the reason. I think that if you look at what Central could do against the, you know, they're ranked number six right now. I think when you look at what they could do against the teams ranked ahead of them, you can conceivably see them winning those games if Richard has a day. So I, I just not sure that's the same case with FAMU. I like FAMU. I like what they put on tape. They score points. Their defense gets after you. There's nothing to dislike about Florida A&M. That's for sure, Stone. Hey, if UC Davis wins out and Sac State splits, do they both make the field of 24? This one from Brian Marceau at Brian Marceau on Twitter. I don't think so. Um, I think that Sac, look, you know, with where they're ranked right now, you know, everybody has them in as an at-large from the big sky. But Davis, I think that ship sailed just a couple of weeks ago, my friend. I, I don't see Davis as a playoff team right now. Last but not least, this one from Brexton Roth at Brex2018 on Twitter. If you guys could be any species of fish, what species would you be and why, Kev? Go. I'd be a flounder because <laughs> I could just lay around all day and I'd be really good in a sandwich. That's easy for me. I'm a mullet, so I could be like Kevin's haircut. All right, listen up, folks. Preview segment on the way. Stay tuned. Stick with us during the break. You'll hear some things from our, some of our friendly partners that we have all over the country. Like I said, preview segment coming up next. Stick with us. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Every day, more than 1,000 children worldwide are diagnosed with cancer. Northwestern Mutual is devoted to supporting the research that gives families and the survivors of cancer a better quality of life. They're looking to accelerate the search for better treatments and cures for childhood cancer while also supporting families undergoing treatment and survivors struggling with lasting effects. Since 2012, Northwestern Mutual has donated more than $50 million to the cause, which includes more than $30 million towards funding more than 600,000 hours of research through the company's partnership with Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. The mission of Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation is to change the lives of children through funding impactful research, raising awareness, supporting families undergoing treatment, and empowering everyone to help find a cure for childhood cancer. We're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone Lebanowitz and I take a quick tour all over FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place this week. Up first, number one, South Dakota State is at number 18, Youngstown State. Stone, a lot of built-in excuses here maybe for South Dakota State if they don't play especially well, right? Emotional game last week. Go into another time zone. Kick off at 11 o'clock what your body clock thinks it is. Heard a lot about that this week. I don't think it's going to matter a whole bunch. Uh, Youngstown State's Secondary isn't that good. Uh, South Dakota State could probably just line up, run the ball right at them, although that would be a strength for the Penguins. I think maybe we see the Jacks open it up a little bit this week, get the Yankee Twins going, and maybe use the tight end, which they haven't really used as much this year as they have in the past. You know, that was pretty easy to say when the guy they had in the past was Tucker Craft, right? But I expect we're going to see a little bit more offensively from the Jackrabbits this week. They're going to need that to go on the road and beat number 18 Youngstown State at Youngstown. I'm low-key excited for this game, Kev. I, of course, think South Dakota State is going to win this game, and I can almost guarantee that they will. They won't slip up against Youngstown, but I will say people hate playing at Youngstown State. It's just not a fun place to play. Um, obviously, they're no stranger to the cold weather, but it is a little windier there than it is most places around the country. Huge fan of Mitch Davidson, the quarterback for the Penguins. I think he can put some points on the board for the Penguins by himself with his arm legs. Doesn't really matter. The kid is a gamer. South Dakota State is going to 
get the ball on the ground and win this game by uh, at least double digits. Well, look, the whole mantra all season for the Penguins has been leave no doubt. Well, you know what? You want to be in the national playoffs? I know they feel like they deserve it. So do their fans. You want to leave no doubt? Beat the number one team at your place and you will leave no doubt in anybody's mind, but you belong in the field next Saturday. Number two, Idaho is at Weber State. Stone, this game was one I had circled way before the season started. That was before Weber State tanked. But Weber State has the talent that Northern Colorado doesn't. Vandals can't afford to come into this one, play a lousy first quarter, and then try to make up for it in the following three. Weber State is a team, even though the record isn't all that good, that can still hurt you. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, we talked about in the first segment, or at least I did, how Idaho is just not really doing anything in the first quarter of ball games. but neither is Weber State. So I think Idaho has a chance here to get right back on track, look like the juggernaut offensively that they have all season long. Idaho, just like South Dakota State, I'll say this i'll go on record they're gonna win this game by double digits i think they win this game by 20 plus actually huge vandals win this week on the way eastern washington is at number three montana state man normally this would be a huge game towards the end of the year right in big sky eastern washington hasn't had the season that they wanted to they've had some nice wins they've looked good at times it's just been extremely inconsistent and the injury bug has bit the eagles hard so if you're eastern washington what do you got to lose here stone you can really put a damper on the Bobcat season if you can go to their place and beat them. Aaron Best, you know he would like nothing better than to do that. Efton Chisholm, all the other fellows on that football team, they may not be a playoff team, but boy, they can sure ruin the Bobcats party to a top seed here. Eastern Washington going to give them everything they got, Stone. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do think they give them everything they got. I just don't think it's necessarily going to matter. Montana State's going to win this ball game. Check this out. Three games in a row. Double-digit margin victory. I like Cats in this spot. It's that time in the season where some of these bigger schools, some of these higher ranked schools are going to just do what they need to do to get into the playoffs, try to stay healthy. So I think they win this game by double digits, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Number four, Montana is at Portland State. Stone, I do believe if you look up trap game anywhere online or, you know, anywhere else, just kind of a picture of this ball game right there. What do you got next week if you're Montana? Brawl of the Wild. Who are you playing this week? Portland State. At Portland State. In a place where it's going to be sparsely attended. There'll be a lot of Montana fans there. There always are. But sparsely attended. Bring your own juice this is a trap game and look you also have to you have to realize that bobby Houck's son robbie's on the other sideline he's working for bruce barnum so the family secrets are out stone this game's got a lot of intrigue man i'm very very interested to see what happens here i do think it is somewhat of a trap game i just don't think Houck plays that game I, I think he knows how to get his guys going they're on a roll right now you see the celebrations the locker room those are going to continue to happen even on the road love montana also i'm a fan of portland state i think it's a pretty high scoring affair but give me the Grizz. Virginia Military Institute's at number four, or Furman. Furman's going to be without Tyler Hubstone. Carson Jones must play a clean game. If he can be clean, I think Furman has enough defensively to take care of the Institute. But VMI, look, look at their record. They're three and three in the SoCon, Stone. You could have got pretty good money back at SoCon Media Day to say that they'd be 500 in the SoCon with two weeks to go. Great job in his first year done by Danny Rocco at VMI, and you got a chance to make your entire first season. You can go on the road and beat Furman, and look, the way the SoCon is, if it happened, it wouldn't completely shock me, dude. Uh, it just, that's the way that league is. We've kind of stayed away from it a little bit this year, but I got a hunch that maybe the league's due for one of those what the hell just happened game. If you're Furman, you better hope it's the next couple of games down and not this one against VMI. Yeah, VMI beats Furman. All Furman Paladins fans have a built-in excuse already. Hey, we don't have Tyler Huff, right? We're without the uh, the man with the plan, number six, which uh, of course is an actual excuse, but they won't drop this game to VMI. Carson Jones knows what needs to be done, and most importantly, the entire offense knows what needs to be done, and that's hand the ball off a hundred times to Mr. Dominic Roberto. He's going to get a 
it done for these guys. VMI is not going to put up much of a fight here in the third, fourth quarter. I know you think they will because the SoCon's going to SoCon, and VMI knows how to fight, but it's just a spot here where Furman knows they're without Tyler and knows they have to put a little extra effort out there on certain plays and finishing tackles and all the little things. So they'll do those little things correctly, and they'll beat VMI. I don't know, Stone. I think it's going to be a four-quarter ball game, my friend. A VMI just beat East Tennessee State. Furman beat East Tennessee State by eight points at homecoming uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So I think it's going to be a four-quarter ball game, especially with the backup quarterback in there. VMI will fight. It'll be close. Mark me, Stone. Number six, North Carolina Central is at number eight, Howard. This is blowout written all over it. Uh, the, the Eagles are just rolling right now. Davis Richard is just in his bag, and I'm not talking about in his bag. I'm talking about deep in that duffel. They're going to blow him out here. Howard's not that good of a football team this season. Eagles roll, Kev. Nothing much else to say. I think it'll be close for a while. Howard will fight you, but you mentioned that man's name, and I think if we say it one more time, somebody scores a touchdown, so let's stay away from saying his name three times in a row, right? But we all know who that fella is that we're talking about. North Carolina Central should handle Howard on the road. Had some of their fans reach out and say, look at this ball game this week. We're going to make a statement. Well, I am going to look at it, and I can't wait to see what that statement is. Number seven, Albany is at Stony Brook. Stone, this one is going to be interesting to see how long Stony Brook can hang around. Been a dismal season for them. Not a lot was expected from Stony Brook, and not a lot was expected from Albany. Well, only one of them has exceeded expectations, and I think that's probably going to continue. I'll tell you straight up, I don't know a damn thing about Stony Brook. All I know is that when I check these FCS lines on whatever sportsbook I'm checking out, that they're double-digit dogs every single week. Sometimes they're underdogs by 20-plus points, and here you go. You get the Great Danes uh, that we think is a top-10 squad. Not a lot of other people in the country think they're a top-10 squad. We consider them slept on right now. The Great Danes will punish Stony Brook, and they'll win by 21-plus. Number 14, North Dakota is at number 6, South Dakota. Stone, there's some uh, folks out there, uh, Jack Rabbit Illustrated guys, who their opinions I respect. One of those fellows said that he thought North Dakota was broken, and he may be right. They broke themselves by beating the Bison. Haven't been the same team since they had a huge win. I, I, I just I can't wrap my head around that. It's probably because I follow a program that don't have all me and them huge wins, Stone. So, so I can't relate, right? I just don't know how to act. Well, guess what? Neither does North Dakota. That football team is broken. I agree with those guys from Jackrabbit Illustrated. Yeah, I'll second that. I think they've put up some weird games. Some weird results have showed up on tape and on film for them. So I'm not too high on North Dakota. I've never have been too high on them. But South Dakota, big win over SIU. And they didn't score too many points, right? Ended that ball game with 14. Thought they could have put more on the table. I think this is the week where you get back in the lab, iron some things out, and beat up on a North Dakota team that you're better than across the board. I'm talking about the 11 on offense and the 11 on defense. Maybe besides C.J. Siegel, I think he's better than any wide receiver that South Dakota has, so I like that matchup there. If he can get himself a pick early in this game, maybe North Dakota changes their mindset a little bit, gains a little bit of confidence, and Tommy Schuster can go have a day, go take the shots early and often, but I do think South Dakota takes a lead in this game, heads in the locker, maybe up 10, and then kind of cruise the rest of the way here. North Dakota's not very threatening right now. Number eight, Northern Iowa is at Missouri State. Stone, we all know Northern Iowa's very good at home, right? They're going to take their show on the road. They continue to win. They're going to be a seed, which a month ago I would have told you you needed your head examined and probably some type of electroshock therapy that that was never going to happen. But then I would have to look into the back of my mind and go, oh yeah, history tells me that this was exactly what was going to happen. This was Mark Farley's plan the entire time. Well, couple of more weeks to see if that diabolical plan from head coach Mark Farley can come to fruition, sir. I hear you loud and clear, but here's what I'll say about this ball game here, uh, and I'll keep it simple as well. Missouri State gives up a lot of points, and on the other side, uh, Mr. Theo Day knows how to score a lot of points with that UNI offense, so I think that's what we see here. I think we see a high-scoring affair. UNI also gives up some points. I think UNI scores in the 40s here and keeps Missouri State somewhere in the 20s. They'll win this game, and I think Theo Day has himself a day. Here come the Panthers. Look out. Number 10, Delaware 
is at Campbell. Stone, this is a huge game here for the Fighting Blue Hens. Lost last week. Probably don't feel like they should have. Everything was rolling and setting up nicely for Delaware. Well, you know what? You lost. You can't let Elon beat you twice. Campbell's an extremely athletic football team. They got dudes at every position. They just haven't, in the last couple of years, had anything to bring it all together. Well, they got destroyed by the University of North Carolina last week. You know, and sometimes nothing will bring your football team together more than just getting stomped by an FBS team. Let's see if they can pull it together. Going to be a tough, tough environment there at Campbell for Delaware. This is a game Delaware has to have, Stone, or they're back to looking like they're going to have to play on that first Saturday in the playoffs, and we all know how hard it is to advance if you have to do that. Yes, that's right, brother. Hey, Delaware, if I'm Campbell, I'd rather play a Delaware team coming off a win than coming off of a loss. All season long, we've preached that Delaware knows how to handle inferior opponents. Campbell's inferior. Well, so was Elon, in a sense. But this is a good get-right spot. I think Campbell's a perfect opponent for them following a loss. I think they beat up on Campbell. I keep picking these games by double digits, and I'm confident in doing so. I think Delaware Delaware beats Campbell by double digits. I think they get right. They're a playoff team. We know that. East Tennessee State is at number 11, Western Carolina. Stone, if you're the Catamounts, maybe these questions are starting to creep into your brain, sir. Where was the aberration? Was it the last two weeks or the first seven weeks? Was it when we couldn't get out of our own way and turned the ball over six times and then struggled with a winless Wofford? Or was it where we looked like a top 10 team the first seven weeks of the season? This ball game is going to go a long way to answering that question. East Tennessee State's coming in there, a lot of turmoil in the program, probably going to make a coaching change at the end of the season. Western Carolina, you need to jump on these boys and you need to beat them by 30 points if you want to get back into any discussion about are you a contender for the national championship. Absolutely. A 30-plus point win is going to get their mind right, and I think that's what they need. They need to get their minds right. I think Desmond Reed has a lot to do with their results the past few weeks, maybe the past month. If Western Carolina can get back to scoring a lot of points and scoring at will, I think they'll be primed and geared up for the playoffs. I think it's awesome how this, this let me call it, trajectory has gone this season for Western Carolina. You start it off blazing hot right creeping into our top five and everybody's top 10 oh my god here comes western carolina but then you fall off right you drop some games in the socon you look weird on offense uh very uncharacteristic cole gonzalez turning the ball over and whatnot again this is without desmond reed in the lineup who kind of is their secret weapon etsu no better pinata than the bucks uh, i think this is a get right spot for western carolina they'll blow them out and i think their guy sensory league cole gonzalez and the rest of the bunch that they have will find pay dirt get back in the rhythm get their swagger back and western carolina is a team to look out for in the playoffs i think one of these scary Teams. Number 12, Southern Illinois is at number 17, North Dakota State. This is my game of the week, Stone. I don't know where you are on that, but I think Southern Illinois is one of those teams that matches up extremely well with the Bison. That secondary is excellent. They're not going to be fooled by anything Cam Miller and those receivers are going to be trying to lay out there, Stone. They're too good. So, North Dakota State, I think they have to know that. They've seen the film, so they're going to try to do what NDSU tries to do when they feel like they can't throw the ball at all. They're going to try to, you know, quarterback power, run the ball. I actually think they got the dudes up front to do it, Stone. Tell me if I'm wrong. You're not wrong whatsoever. Southern Illinois against the run is pretty stout for the most part. And do not get me started about the secondary. There is nobody, nobody on this North Dakota State Bison team that can go up against anybody in the secondary for Southern and vice versa, right? Southern's wide receivers are going to have a day against North Dakota State. This is a game that I think North Dakota State is probably the most scared of. I think they're probably more confident going into South Dakota State last week than they are against Southern Illinois. There are just so many weaknesses that are strengths for Southern Illinois, weaknesses for the Bison that are strengths for the Salukis. So I I think the Salukis win this game. Here I go again, Cap. I'm probably annoying the hell out of people, but they're going to win this game by double digits. Nick Baker's going to get out of his slump. They're going to take shots early and often down the field, and I think they run away with this one here, Kev. How about that? Samford is at number 19. Mercer Stone is the SoCon going to SoCon. 
con man? Are we going to get what Mercer has done every other year when they've been in this situation, which is not win the big game to get them to the playoffs? History tells me that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm not sure. Sanford's coming off a bye week. Mercer's coming off a very physical game down in Charleston. We'll see. Listen, Southern Illinois and North Dakota State was your game of the week. My game of the week is right here. I think this one's going to be awesome. I think we see fireworks. Both of these teams are playing for something. Now, though, some things might be very different depending on who you are, where you are, and why you're listening. But I think Sanford puts up a really good fight here. I think this game gets into the 30s for each of these ball clubs, and I think we see a really good finish. This is my game of the week right here. How about that? Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Segment four, it's the same every week, but it's just a different athlete. It's a different member of the Northwestern Mutual family that I've come to know and love. It's the honorary captain of the week, of course, presented by Northwestern Mutual and Alex's Lemonade Stand. I have two really important guests with me that I'm so excited to introduce and so excited to pick their brains, kind of figure out why they're involved and the importance of why they're involved. Like I said, two really special guests. First off, let's introduce Mr. Zachary Clement, the signal caller for the Southeastern Louisiana Lions. Zach, appreciate you giving the show some time this week. Oh, thank y'all for having me. Next to Zach is a managing partner at Northwestern Mutual New Orleans, Miss Averill Habits. Averill, thank you so much. We're going to get into the why it's special that you're here, but nonetheless, thank you for joining the show. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things that I do. Seriously, me and my co-host Kevin Marshall, we record five segments a week, about an hour long's worth of content for FCS fans and fans around the subdivision to get involved, right? Just to kind of be really engaging, talk about the slate of games, make our picks, do all that kind of stuff, but jamming in the show right there segment four is our honorary captain of the week i swear it is my favorite time just to be able to talk to different athletes around the country i've recorded sometimes at 10 11 p.m because i got guys in washington i got guys in california i stay up i love learning about the specific athletes that we have on like i said appreciate you guys joining the show but let's jump into a few things here because not only are we providing fcs fans with content related to guys like zachary clement and his football team at sea law over there in new orleans but college football in general just to be able to hear from certain quarterbacks star wide receivers that we've had on in the past it's content Yes, but also at the same time, we have a goal here, and that's raising awareness and raising funds for childhood cancer research. Childhood cancer, as we know, is underfunded, something else we'll get into, but every day over a thousand children worldwide are diagnosed with childhood cancer, yet childhood cancer, like I said, is consistently underfunded compared to other types of cancer research, but it's up to us, myself, Stone Lebano, it's Miss Averill Habits and Zachary Clement to do something about it, right? To find cures and help research so that someday these children are cured. Alex's Lemonade Stand, the foundation, it's changing lives of children with cancer by funding the research and raising awareness, supporting families and empowering everyone to help cure childhood cancer. Folks, that is why we are here. I always start with this, Zach. I love asking the athletes this because I myself am 25 years old. I know you are in the low 20s as well. And sometimes for freshmen in college, they're almost 18, 19 years old. So I ask when you were approached by the Northwestern Mutual family, your first thoughts were what when everything was laid out to you? You know, like Northwestern Mutual is a very high profile organization, you know, ranked 111 out of the 2023 uh, Fortune 500. I mean, that's pretty big time. So, you know, to be able to be a part of something with them and to be able to gang up with them to stand up against childhood cancer, that's, that's something I really wanted to be a part of. I love to hear it. Hey, and you're a junior right now. I know it's your last year playing ball, so you're about to jump into the workforce right now. Expected to come into school 
uh, you never really have a chance to be in the workforce as a student athlete and growing up playing football. I know it is 365 days. It requires all of your time and you want to go play at the next level with aspirations to get paid to do so. But did you ever think when you walked into Southeastern Louisiana that you'd be having a hand in an initiative like this, a partnership, help, helping raise awareness and funds for childhood cancer research? Did you ever think something like this could come about? You know, I honestly, no, you know, you, you, you wish for opportunities, you pray for opportunities to be able to help and make an impact on situations like that and just try to make the world a better place and you know to be able to be a part of that and to try to make an impact is was really important it's not only an impact we're trying to put a stop to yeah. childhood cancer and i love some of the things that you just said right there what does something like this mean to you personally do you have people in your family in your friend group who had siblings that were ever affected by cancer or is this something that you're looking to kind of jump full-fledged into you know, I've had I've had my grandfather. Um, he recently passed away, not from cancer, but he battled with cancer on and off for a long time. So you know, it's definitely something that I've witnessed in my family, and you know, it's a it's something that I definitely want to put a stop to for sure. You know that about it. In April, I want to get into why I said earlier that it's so special that you're here, but also having an athlete at the forefront of this. Why is that important to us? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So having athletes are really important because a few different reasons. The first one is that they just really have a high visibility and really a reach to, you know, different people that we couldn't have a reach for. Um, they have fan bases. They have, you know, all these different uh, platforms that the normal consumer or the normal, normal person wouldn't have, right? Um, another really big thing is that when athletes get behind something like this in childhood cancer, it really changes cultural norms and people follow and they, they get involved and they highly get involved for those things. So having athletes really involved in this is super important for us to really drive this cause and really make an impact with childhood cancer. Absolutely. Hey, and speaking of cultural norms, Avril, in today's college football landscape, it's very athlete male driven, but you are our first female managing partner that's been on the show this season. We had Michelle Williams on last week. She handles more of the leadership side and the internship program kind of directs all that traffic. But for you, can you speak about what having a hand in an initiative building around raising awareness and funds for childhood cancer research in the college football landscape, specifically a male-driven college football landscape as a woman, what this means to you to be involved and have relationships with guys like Zach? Absolutely. I mean, what we're doing first and foremost is coming together, right? And creating a partnership and with the important of childhood cancer first and not, you know, gender norm. Um, so as a woman, it's incredibly meaningful for me to be a part of this because I'm creating an impact and breaking down gender barriers that are the norms, right? So yes, would it have been easier to send a male counterpart uh, to come and do this conversation with Zach? Absolutely. But uh, I'm super excited and pumped to be a part of that and to bring a different perspective to what we're trying to do today. Talk about perspectives. You have none better on Alex Lemonade Sand and the foundation. Can you kind of talk about the history between you guys and how the relationship came about? Yeah, absolutely. So the Northwestern Mutual um, has actually uh, something called the foundation, like you said, Northwestern Mutual's foundation. What they found is that childhood cancer is so underfunded, only 4% of the government's funding goes to childhood cancer. But it's the number one cause, you know, of deaths and getting diagnosed, as you said, thousands of children are diagnosed all the time. And so what they wanted to do was provide a direct impact and partner with somebody who was going to help a direct impact to help our communities and help our communities grow and thrive and survive. And so our childhood 
cancer program has been intact for the past 10 years. Can you believe that? We just made our 10th anniversary <laughs> with Alex's Lemonade Sand. Um, and so it's really committed to giving all these kids a chance to live their life to their fullest. It's accelerating the research that we need to have to find a cure. And it's providing support to families as well. And so what we've done is not only do we pro provide the resources, right? But we also, a lot of us get involved in our communities, our local hospitals, our Ronald McDonald homes, and really helps to provide that support um, for everybody who's actually impacted by childhood cancer. Absolute gold from Ms. Averill Habits, managing partner in Northwestern Mutual, New Orleans. And joining me and joining Averill is Zachary Clement. Just kind of wanted to reset there, give everybody an idea of what's going on and who we're having to chat with. Our audience is here every single week, willing to learn about different athletes and different managing partners and members of Northwestern Mutual and what they have to offer. Our audience has come to love this weekly spot. Right now, as we stand, over $6,300 has been raised through our honorary captain of the week segments. And hopefully... When Zach goes live, it climbs even higher. Let's pivot a little bit, talk a little bit of football here. Zach, you are our football player, our honorary captain of the week. Flipping the coin for us at the coin toss. Nine weeks in, you guys are boasting a 2-7 and seven record. Obviously not exactly what you guys had in mind in the preseason, but the schedule is something that I definitely wanted to get into. You play quarterback. You have to lead your guys into battle each and every weekend. You started things off with the SEC Mississippi State, another FBS battle with South Alabama. Eastern Washington at the time was a ranked opponent and a really a decent incarnate word team who's been ranked in and out all season long. But with two games left on the schedule and you only being a junior, I know this is your last year, but what are some things you guys want to accomplish before you head into the offseason as a squad? You know, as a team, we definitely want to finish out you know two and oh you know we want to win these last four straight and you know it, the record doesn't mean anything to us right now that we play for each other you know we go through the off-season grind we we put in the work together and you know at this point we play for each other and you know that's that's the biggest thing I feel like with our team is is we play for each other and we're a family and I think that's that's really the big thing for us. Football is such a forward-thinking sport. You just said let's win four in a row. You guys have won two, and you got two more left on the schedule. I just love how football coaches and football players' minds work. I, I love when you said four in a row because, literally, you guys are trying to win four in a row and having to start off the season in the fashion that you guys did. Like I mentioned, you guys have strung off two back-to-back -back wins through the ups and the downs of the season. What would you say you guys have learned when you look internally at yourselves as a team? Uh, you know, I think that – we learn to look in the mirror and like tell us where our mistakes are. You know, we got to be honest with ourselves at points. And I, you know, I'm honest with myself. I needed to perform better in certain situations. And, you know, that's just how football goes. And, you know, you learn from it and that's where you get better. And April, this Southeastern team is notable. Uh, that's an understatement, to be quite frank. Known for being in the playoffs, known for being a threat to virtually anybody they play each and every season. But around the community, how are they received and how important are these athletes to the younger generation in your guys' circle? Oh, this is a great. Um, so Southeastern really is fully committed to excellence in their classroom. They're actually committed to excellence in the community and they're commu committed to excellence in competition too, actually. So there's like three C's. And I really feel like in the community, their initiatives to give back and be in the classroom actually of the younger um, generations that are there, they are role models. They are people they're looking up to, to know that things can happen and they can be who they want to be. And so they're really important, a part of that community and giving back and for them to look up to. It speaks to the name, image, and likeness. It's taken college athletics by storm mm -hmm. some of it kind of gets dicey when you look at some of these bigger schools right you got guys driving new cars guys wearing jewelry and all this and that but for what zach's doing and what our other honorary captains of the week are doing are kind of just showing face and using their voices to inspire the youth and say hey okay if he's talking about that and he's supporting that why aren't i supporting that so i think we're using name image like this in a really special way in a way that i haven't seen used in the fcs to be quite frank i haven't seen a partnership like this an initiative like this with the dollar amount that we've raised and everything that northwest 
Jesse Mutual and Alex's is matching for it. We're just going to make boatloads of money for cancer research and, of course, trying to end it. That's the ultimate goal. Dickin uh, on the football field here, Zach, head coach Frank Selfo. I'm a huge fan of this guy. He's a gem. Um, he's well known around the subdivision when his name comes up. People smile just like you did right there. For the audience out there listening on the radio or the podcast, you couldn't see Zach, but he tried to hold back a laugh. I don't know why. I, I don't know why he tried to hold back a laugh, but also it was a smile. One of the most respected coaches in the entire subdivision, like I said, how important has he been to your development as a signal caller in this offense? You know, him, uh, like he was a big part of why I came here. He's a big part of why I transferred here. You know, I wanted to elevate my game and I wanted to learn a lot. You know, I wanted to get better and I wanted somebody that was going to push me. And I knew that coming here that Coach Stevens, as my office coordinator, quarterback coach and him, that they were going to push me. And, you know, that's what I wanted. And that's what I needed. And, you know, I feel like still have a long way to go, but they've helped me develop over time through this season for sure. Let's talk about Mr. Stevens, your offensive coordinator. What has he meant to not only you, but to this offense as a whole? You guys offensively do a lot of different things show a lot of different looks does Stevens have a lot to do with that oh definitely you know he has a he has a, a great mind you know when it comes to offensive scheme you know he's had some stellar offenses here and you know just to be a part of it and to be able to learn under him it's, it's been awesome yeah one of the playmakers on your squad the Nola native Darius Lewis he's a joy to watch he can do a lot of different things kind of a five-tool guy talk about what it's like having a guy like him as one of your weapons man it's, it's just a blessing to be able to have a guy like him you know being able to run any route being able to catch any ball contested catches you know he's just a great athlete and you know he's just a great guy to be around it's awesome to have him on our side Avril we're hearing Zach kind of hype up his guys hype up his coaches and whatnot everything that he says kind of just screams that he's a leader you're in a leadership role yourself for Northwestern Mutual in New Orleans are these the type of young men you guys are looking for when trying to add pieces to your guys team without a doubt I mean people like Zach Zach has an innate ability to have observation right to make decisions quickly but thoughtfully and also use his gut I mean definitely something that we're looking for I love it using your gut instinctively everything that a quarterback needs to do and Zach you're about to jolt yourself into the workforce and those are the kind of traits that that people are looking for especially in Averill's role as a leader at Northwestern Mutual in New Orleans I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Northwestern Mutual's internship program it's just second to none I talk about it each and every week some of the numbers wow me so much so that I read off the same stat every week because I want the audience for the first time listeners and I want everybody who comes back just to hear it just to know that their kids are growing up and you do have a Northwestern Mutual branch around you might want to start asking some questions and figure out how you can get involved because over the past 50 years, more than 52,000 college students have participated in the NM's internship program. Almost 100% of them, 98% of them reported that it was instrumental, instrumental for their career going forward and what they were trying to figure out that they wanted to do and for their future careers, whether in the financial services industry, sales or other business endeavors, the internship program was vital to them. So Zach, if you got friends on the team, if you got family members, I know you're a biology major, but for some of the finance guys who are looking what they need to do, you know who to ask and that's Miss April Habits. And also me, anybody who you can speak to to help get involved, do not hesitate. April, I asked you a similar question like this earlier. I talked about how important it was to have athletes at the forefront of an initiative and a partnership like this, using their name, image, and likeness. But also, what is it about athletes that make good members of a Northwestern Mutual branch? That's a great question. Um, so college athletes often possess a lot of qualities that make them um, really beneficial to be a part of a Northwestern Mutual branch. The first one is just discipline and work ethic, right? So they have the, they're going to practice until they, they get it right. Right. And they have that discipline to go 
out there and make sure that they're on the field every single day. And they have the work ethic to see that things are getting done. Um, also teamwork and collaboration. Um, so it's being a part of a team. So a lot of times there's a lot of independent work, but also you're working alongside of a team or with a team to have collaboration. So they've already naturally learned that with being a part of a team sport. But the best thing that I love the most is resiliency and determination. And so one of the things that is one of my core values is resiliency and athletes have a find a way to get it done. So they have this in, in yep. eight things. They're going to find a way to finish it. Right. So we're going to uh, competition that's a part of the spirit too. And we're going to talk a little bit more about competition, but they want to win. You know, you naturally want to win. So you want to see things through um, all the way, especially alpha males at the quarterback position, just not taking <laughs> no for an answer, just not trying <laughs> to lose it. Anything you talked about teamwork, you talked about collaboration, resiliency, having to face adversity, which is a thing I, I think football presents to you more than any other sport in the land. All of those things has a lot to do with handling time management and workload management. I always love to ask our honorary captains about those two things because it's not an easy task. Zach, I mentioned it earlier. As a college athlete, a lot of the times you're not able to have been in the workforce ever, right? You, you come in and it takes up most of your day, seven days a week. It just really doesn't stop. I always use the analogy personally. It was hard for me to study certain things in certain classes when I realized that I needed to know certain things for practice that day. It was like, I, I don't think regular students and I'm not going to bat for college athletes. I, I understand it's hard for everybody, but there are so much information that needs to be stored at one time that it's really hard to manage it and, and where to divvy out uh, everything else. It, it's just not easy. It's not something to be taken lightly either. It defeats plenty of student athletes each and every year, no matter the grade, no matter what sport they play. Averill, I'll ask you this. How does Northwestern Mutual help their entry level men and women with handling these types of things because student athletes struggle? Yeah, absolutely. So what typically happens is that we're trying to figure out what's important and urgent and what needs to get done, right? So we really have to have a plan in place. So one thing we, we do a lot is reflect on what has happened and what needs to happen moving forward. So it's about reflection and it's also about planning forward and then really organizing yourself. And so autonomy is, you know, the best thing about our career here when people enter in and there's that um, you're put in a position of choice. And so the choice is to have a plan and to figure out what to prioritize first or second or what's most important. Because you're right, what, what we all naturally do is we want to stack up everything on our plates to get done. What we need to do is make sure that we're efficient and we delegate properly, properly and we put first things first. Zach, how many times has Coach Stevens and Coach Selfold preached, do you have a plan? I mean, throughout my whole life, every <laughs> definitely told me, you know, you need to have a plan. And, you know, it really speaks, you know, like even in the classroom, you need to have a plan how you go past certain classes. And, you know, it goes outside of football too. So, you know, they, but they definitely do preach it. You know, we always need to have a plan and be prepared. Yeah, Avril, when you said have a plan, it just brought me, I'm like, I had flashbacks. PTSD. I played quarterback as well. Zachary have a plan was like, I, I think one of the cardinal rules for a quarterback, just have a plan no matter what, when something goes wrong, facing adversity, as soon as you catch the snap, have a plan. So I, I love what you said there, Zach. And I'll ask you kind of the same question that I just asked April, Zach. I know you've yet to embark on your career. You're about to when the season's over, but your career right now is football. You're focused on going 4-0, winning the last two games of the season. But what are some things football has taught you that will take you into your workforce? I think definitely it's taught me to work with people. You know, you're going to work with all kinds of different people. People, people you you know, people you don't really know. And, you know, I think it's really just trying to make an intimate connection with them, you know, being able to know that they can talk to you, they can come to you. And that's a big part I feel like is connecting with people. And then another part I feel like is, you know, just the aspect of, like she said, determination, you know, just getting it done however it needs to be get, get done. Like that's what needs to happen. So that's a big part of it too. I love it. Averill, is there anything that he missed? 
what makes yeah. you know an athlete things that they've picked up that you've experienced i'm sure there are plenty of people at your branch who have played uh, college sports collegiate sports is there anything that you've noticed that they've taken from sport to work i think it's a really great question too um i think it's independence and interdependence right so those are two different things but that work well together and so a lot of times we have to learn how to lead ourselves right and that's independence and so how do we lead ourselves and how do we show up but the other thing is interdependence so going back to that team collaboration is how do i rely on others to make sure that I'm lifting myself up or everybody up, right? So I would definitely say it's also independence and in interdependence, but a good blend of the both. Having a chat here with Miss Averill Habits, managing partner in Northwestern Mutual, New Orleans, and Zachary Clement, the signal caller for Southeastern this season with two games left to go. I love this initiative, guys. I love bringing different walks of life together, especially with everybody having the same goal in mind, something that we hit on earlier, right? This is all about childhood cancer. We're trying to raise awareness and raise funds all at the same time while kind of providing football content for everybody out there who's fiending for it. It's something that Southeastern has always brought up uh, in our circle at FCS Nation Radio. It's always something that is a constant question. And I talked about how notable you guys were. It's just each and every year in the playoffs this season, kind of a down year, but a lot to come on the horizon. We're fundraising, like I said, raising funds for cancer research. And Zach is helping us do that right now. There's something that we do differently than most, and that's pinning fan bases up against each other. Now that may seem, I said, in a negative connotation, but at the same time, competition is healthy. And what we've done in raising our funds for Alex's Lemonade Stand is pin the fan bases up against each other, see which fan bases can donate the most money, and that number one athlete in their fan base who gets the most money raised gets an ultimate prize that we've yet to announce. And I, I think our leading athlete right now is at $1,300. I believe that's Aiden Bauman from the University of South Dakota. He as well, Zach, is a quarterback. So that's who you got to chase. What I'm going to do is give Zach the floor to tell the city, the people of Hammond, where they can go to donate and how they can do that. Zach, you have the floor. It's easy. Just go to fcsnationradio.com. Go to the right side of the screen. You're going to click Alex's Lemonade Stand. You're going to see my name next to Southeastern. And I want all y'all in Hammond, all y'all that support the Southeastern Lions to donate. Make sure that we we win this prize. He wants the prize, folks. He wants the most money donated to him. He's calling out the city of Hammond. He's calling out the fan base of Southeastern. Donate to Zachary Clement. Like he said, fcsnationradio.com. It's on the right side of the screen. It says Alex Eliminates and you can't miss it. You click it. takes you right to the landing page. You can see all the honorary captains of the past weeks. The past few months we've been doing it now. It's week 11. So much money has been raised. I've talked about 63 Hundred plus has been raised for childhood cancer. I'm so excited about the competition. It's one of my favorite things every week to see the numbers just go, go, go. And whoever's in fourth passes the person in third and they get to jolt. I've seen it happen live. Actually, it's pretty cool. Avril, I wanted to ask you why we implemented the competition. Is it because we have athletes or is it important because it keeps people in the mix and wanting to do so? Why was adding a competition aspect so important for us in this partnership? Absolutely. So adding the competition aspect of it is really important to us because that's just the kind of the spirit of us wanting to be better and wanting to be uh, better against one another here at Northwestern Mutual. And so the competitive spirit is just something that we strive towards here in Northwestern Mutual to strive to always be better and always be our greatest. So it helps push us to raise more money for Alex's Lemonade Stand and have a bigger impact for the entire nation. Is competition present in your life, Avril? Do you constantly find yourself competing against coworkers, family, whatever it is? <laughs> Absolutely. And so we create a really competitive environment um, at Northwestern Mutual. And so not only am I competing against coworkers or other, other managing partners that are also, I know, guests on this, uh, this radio show too, um, but it's also important for me to have a competitive spirit because I'm pushing people to be their best, right? And so I'm coaching, you know, and pushing them to be their best. So having that competitive spirit is important every single day in what I do. I love it. I could not agree more. I know Zach 
shares the same exact feelings. We're both quarterbacks. We know what competition is. That's to say the least. Averill, an extra part of the partnership that we have is getting the fans involved. Zach already talked about that. There's another way to do it. And it's maybe it's tailgating. Maybe it's going to a certain restaurant in Hammond. Whatever it is, I know there's an event plan. Give everybody the details so they can get involved. Yes, we are really excited. Next Thursday, it's the biggest rivals, the Southeastern versus Nichols. And we'll be having a tailgate where we're providing lemonade to the crowd and raising funds for Alex's lemonade stand. So we are going to line up for lemonade next Thursday out at the Southeastern tailgate. So look for us there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I cannot thank you guys enough. I wanted to wrap this thing up like this. We are doing the Lord's work right now, raising money for childhood cancer, whether it's awareness or actual funds that get put into the research. That is our job right now. And now it's the, the fans of Southeastern. It's kind of their job. We're passing the baton off to them. So try to raise the most money. Make sure you donate to Zachary Clement right next to C-Law. Like he said, fcsnationradio.com. Averill, I will start with you. Appreciate you so much for your time. It means so much to not only myself and Kevin Marshall, my co-host here at FCS Nation Radio, but families all over the country and football fans too. It was such a pleasure to be here and be on the show. I'm looking forward to really having a great end of the season with Southeastern as well. Yes, and Zach, to you as well. I appreciate you giving us some time this week. I understand it's practice five days a week. You look like you just hopped out of the shower. It's late. It's almost eight o'clock uh, in New Orleans right now. Thank you so much for joining the show this week. Oh, thank you for having me. Really meant a lot. Thank you. Yeah, for FCS Nation Radio fans, check out Zach this weekend. I've been watching all of his games this season. This Saturday, November 11, 3.30 p.m. That's on the East Coast. 2.30 kick time for them. You can check it out on ESPN Plus or of course, if you're a radio guy like myself, Southeastern Sports Radio Network. They're going to Texas A&M Commerce. Not that far of a trip for you guys. Do you like what you've seen on film? Are there some things you can exploit? You're ready for game day? Oh, we're ready. We're, we're excited to be able to go out there and play them, you know. Uh, definitely ready to go. Just ready to go. That's it. That's all he's got. Just ready to go. Zachary Clement, folks, our honorary captain of the week. To Averill, to Zach, to myself, Stone Lebanowitz. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Stay with us because coming up next is the pick segment. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for my favorite time of the week, y'all. It's the pick segment where Stone Lebanowitz and I go head-to-head and we pick the biggest games taking place in FCS football. Up first, number one, South Dakota State is at Youngstown State. Give me South Dakota State. I said double digits. I'm sticking with that. 37-21 the final. The Jackrabbits are a-rolling, y'all, and their sights are set firmly on Frisco, Texas. Got a couple of more miles to get there to get to the playoffs and then a couple of more after that. But this is Penguin team are much improved, but they just can't seem to get over the hump to be a really good team, and they've had their chances this season too. Difference here is that the Penguins' secondary isn't that good, and I think the Jacks opened it up some this week in the passing game. Take number one, South Dakota State on the road over number 18, Youngstown State, 34-13. Number two, Idaho is at Weber State. Idaho gets back on track offensively. We see fireworks from Mr. McCoy. 42-14, the final. Vandals had their sleepwalking game last week at Northern Colorado. Can't afford to do that against Weber State, or that team will hurt you, like I said earlier. I think it's lesson learned for the Vandals. Take number two, Idaho, on the road over Weber State, 30-17. to Eastern Washington is at number three, Montana State. Yeah, the Bobcats, I talked about them scoring in the 40s. I think it's commendable. They'll do it again, 48-13 over Eastern Washington. I know that seems low for Eastern Washington. I just think Montana State right now is too much to handle. Eagles have plenty of weapons on the offensive side of the ball, but I don't think the Bobcats are going to let them have the ball that much, Stone. I mean, the Cats play keep away with the running game, and they win at home. Take number three, Montana State over Eastern Washington in Bozeman, 35 
14. Number four, Montana is at Portland State. I know you think this game's going to be kind of close. You like Portland State. I'm a fan of these guys. I think Portland State scores 21. But like I said, Clifton on the West Coast. Some warmer weather. Sun's out, guns out. Here we go. 40 points for Montana. This game finishes 40-21. Well, Portland ain't Cal Poly Stone. It'll probably be raining there like it always is. <laughs> but this is a classic trap game for the Grizz. And, you know, I just don't think that Bobby Houck plays that type of stuff, y'all. He has his boys ready to go most every week. And his son's on the other sideline. Take number four, Montana on the road over Portland State, 38-20. Virginia Military Institute's at number five, Furman. Give me Furman, 30-7. to Carson Jones will do just enough, but Dominic Roberto finds pay dirt three or four times. This is a big one for Furman. Need it. You mentioned that uh, Tyler Huff's out. We talked about it earlier. So I expect this one to be closer. Carson Jones must be clean or the Paladins could get beat here. VMI is that type of a squad. If you help them a few times, they're going to bite you. If Jones can be clean, the Furman defense should be enough to overcome the absence of Huff. Take number five, Furman at home over VMI, 21-10. Number six, North Carolina Central is at Howard. Eagles flying high, 45-10. They get rid of Howard. Sneaky good game here, but I don't pick against Davius Richard, y'all. So take number six, North Carolina Central on the road over Howard, 38-27. Number seven, you Albany is at Stony Brook. Albany, Great Danes, sick them, 55-7. Well, the Great Danes are now getting some of that respect that Stone LeBanowitz and I and a few others have been and saying that they deserved all season. Let's see if this group can stand prosperity. It's different when you're playing the nobody's respecting us card and, you know, now you're getting some. Well, let's see if they can stand that prosperity. I believe they can. Take number seven, New Albany on the road over Stony Brook, 35 to 10. Number 14, North Dakota is at number eight, South Dakota. I think the Yotes get rid of the Hawks here, 28-20. And what's a sneaky game early on, but at the same time, not really. I don't think at any point during this game, North Dakota will have a lead, but they'll have a chance, 28-20 the final. Fighting Hawks really need this one for their playoff hopes. And if the game was in Grand Forks, I'd probably be picking them. But it ain't. It's in Vermillion. So give me number eight, South Dakota at home. Over number 14, North Dakota, 31-24. Number eight, Northern Iowa is at Missouri State. I like the Panthers here, 35-24. to Most of it does get on the board in this game. Makes you and I think about it a little bit, but while they're thinking, boom, Theo Day goes up top. Like I said, 35-24, the final. Like the Panthers, it's November. It's November, Kev. You know what that means. Yes, sir. It means that the Panthers are playing good football, and I expect that to continue. Take number eight, Northern Iowa, on the road over Missouri State, 35-21. Number 10, Delaware, Zach Campbell. It's a tricky spot for the Blue Hens. Uh, I think Campbell's able to throw hands for a little bit. I have a 30-13 to final score here. Campbell's are extremely athletic, but they just don't have anything to bring it all together, Stone. I, I don't know whether it's a coaching situation down there or what, but they have a whole lot of talent, and they've done really not a whole bunch with it. But I like Delaware in this one, Stone, mostly because they're going to be coming in there madder than a cat getting baptized, which is pretty darn mad. So take number 10, Delaware, on the road over Campbell, 38-17. East Tennessee State's at number 11, Western Carolina. Yeah, I think with how Western Carolina's played offensively the past few weeks, their offensive coordinator's going to be madder than a cat getting baptized. So I like them blowing out the Bucks here, 55-7. Cole Gonzalez, you shouldn't be listening to the show because you should be watching film right now but i need you to get back in rhythm the city needs you to get back in rhythm the we <laughs> you see i said with them that's because i was going with we next the we needs you to get back in rhythm and catamounts nation needs you to get back in rhythm because when you're in rhythm you're one of the best quarterbacks in the country so show us that and blow out the buccaneers 55 7 go we take number 11 western carolina at home over east Tennessee state 41 to 10 i got nothing to add after that i just wonder when labana developed the list <laughs> <laughs> number 12 southern illinois is at number 
number 17, North Dakota State. I'm telling you, mark my words right here. I'm putting this prediction out on social media. Too many skilled players, too many explosive plays. The Salukis blow out the Bison 38-21 to finish. Come on, baby. I really like the Salukis here, but then again, Levanowitz, I've liked your boys several times during the season and it hasn't really worked out for me. But you know, there ain't no education in the second kick of a mule. So take number 12, Southern Illinois, over number 17, North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome, 28-24. Samford is at number 19, Mercer. Drum roll, please! This right here, folks, is Stone Lebanowitz Upset Special of the Week. Welcome into FCS Nation. Welcome into the pick segment. Samford coming off a bye. A few extra days of watching the tape. Michael Hires has been getting his arm massaged a little bit. Chandler Smith going to find pay dirt not once but twice in this spot. Give me the Sanford Bulldogs. 35-34 in Stone's Upset Special of the Week. I agree with you, sir. I don't like you whispering to me, but I do agree with you. And I think that, look, the SOCON going to SOCON. Mercer has yet to take this step as a program. Every time they've been in this situation in the past, they failed this test. I hope for their sake that I'm wrong, but I don't believe I am. Take Sanford on the road over number 19, Mercer, 31-30. Kev, I wanted to bring this up. I think it's a pretty chalky slate. I think some of these spreads are going to be pretty high, uh, a lot of them double digits. For some of the double-digit underdogs on here, which one stands out and which one do you think, if any, has the chance to pull off a major, major upset this weekend? Just give me one team. I'm curious. VMI, because Furman's going to be without Tyler Huff. And, you know, in limited action, that was all fine and dandy at Chattanooga last week. But VMI won't have a lot of film on Carson Jones. But VMI is just going to pin your ears back, come after him, you know, and uh, load the box uh, and try to stop the run and make that young quarterback beat them. VMI's got some skill in the secondary. If he doesn't play well, this could be an upset for Furman. Our rapper. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. I'd like to invite you all right back here next week for another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.